0: The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening and we pray that God's word will enrich your journey today. Of you, I need to know. I'm wondering how many of you are excited to be in church today? How many of you are excited? Get it? You excited? Yeah. Or you're excited to be online with us, man? I'm so excited. I cannot wait to launch this teaching series in uh, the book of Peter. Uh, but before we do that, I just need to celebrate what we've been doing together as a church family. We've been serving our community, our city, with so much strength and unity. God help us unite. We've been doing that together. There's been brand new levels of compassion and love. And as you heard earlier in service, we are different because we do different kinds of things as Jesus followers. In fact, we're launching Love Appleton. That's going to be taking place August 19th through 30th. I want to encourage all of you to make sure you sign up for that. You can use the mobile app online for that. There's unique opportunities for all ages, families, grab your friends, small groups. I mean, it's just going to be a tremendous time that we get to pour out God's heart on our city, to love Appleton really well. So make sure you're a part of that. Also, as you heard, we are gonna be uh, giving backpacks, packing them, resourcing uh, families who uh, perhaps are in need of that in targeting one of our schools here in our city. So make sure if you can't serve on that particular Sunday, if you wanna sponsor a backpack, the cost on that is $20. You can give online to that or in a check today, if you wanna just write in the memo backpacks, we'll make sure that money goes there. Thank you for your continued generosity. Oh, because when we give to God's work, we're different as a group of people. And I'm so excited. You know why? Because our goal is to get the gospel out here, there, and everywhere. The gospel is what changes People. In fact, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God unto salvation. That's what Paul writes in Romans 1.16. It is powerful when people come into contact with a solution that can change their hearts, and that person is Jesus Christ, and his message is called the gospel. Hey, speaking of the gospel, I want to welcome our online church family. In fact, did you know several people last Sunday accepted Jesus Christ? The gospel went out and there was a sister from Santee, California, who made a decision for Jesus, reached out to us. Isn't that awesome, Santee, California? That's just north of San Diego. How many of you want to go with me? Let's move to Santee and start a campus right there. Amen. Emily's like, yeah, I'm ready. I'll be your worship leader. Let's go. Right? That is amazing. The gospel is going out here in person, online. We're so glad that you're with us. You are a part of God's work here at Pathways Church. Hey, let's do this. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that mobile device. We're going to be in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. And can we stand... Out of reverence for God's word. We stand out of reverence for God's word. In fact, if you're online, why don't you stand? Just take your bowl of Captain Crunch or your steel-cut oatmeal, put it aside, and stand with me. I know that's I know that's weird, but we're different. All right? And is this, the this series, we're different. All right, so let's be different. We're gonna stand for the reading of God's word. Let me give you my opening scripture. Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice. She's rejoicing. Hey, if you're a child, by the way, hey, parent, we love kids, you can be here, you, you just, that'll help me preach better, that's awesome. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though so now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of, say that last word, trials. trials. You may have to suffer grief in all kinds Of trials. Let me pray before you're seated. Father, now I pray, God, that you would speak through your word. It's inspired by you, it's infallible, it's inerrant. It passes all of the tests of historicity in terms of its reliability, the veracity of the word that is given to us in New Testament, both Old Testament and New Testament form, is so for us in the here and now. So I pray that you would bridge the gap from the first century to the 21st century. Do it by your Holy Spirit, we pray. We receive your word by faith in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 You may be seated. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about the topic of trials because this is what Peter opens up with. He's encouraging the believers when it comes to enduring trials. How many have ever gone through a trial? You know what a trial is? Something everybody, right? It's kept you up. It's woke you up. You felt woke by a trial. You were like heartburn, heart attack. It was something when it came to a trial, something that you had to endure. A situation that was outside of your control and you felt, Man, this is very difficult. Now, this message is for three groups of people. It's for people who are going through a trial right now, or they're coming out of a trial, or you know where I'm going, they're about to enter into a trial. That's everybody, right? Because we're, we're all kind of trial prone. That's a part of life. Life is difficult and it's full of trials. Now when I woke up this morning, God spoke to my heart, and as I was reviewing my notes, I felt like he said this message is for another group of people. And if you're under the age of 30, Uh, If you are perhaps in school, just recently launched a career or you're newly married or perhaps you're figuring out singlehood in the dating scene or maybe you're in the university high school student, I believe this message is for you. You know why? Because I believe we live in a nation and a country that oftentimes we do everything we possibly can do to avoid and set up our lives in such a way where we're, we're creatures of comfort and we don't want to have trials and here's what I need you to know. as your pastor, I need you to know that no one goes through this life without experiencing a trial, no matter how hard you try, how much money you make, how how educated you are, where you live, what you do, who you marry, you will face a trial. And if you don't realize that now, then you might turn to God in your faith that you grew up with and say, God, what's up? because America promised me no trials and now I got trials. You will have trials, okay? And you need to know that your faith is not flimsy. In fact, all of those listeners in the first century as they were reading this book, which by the way, who was First Peter written by? Peter. Not a trick question. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> Some of you are like, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, Peter. In fact, uh, scholars believe that Peter wrote this uh, book, this little epistle, which is a letter, and it would circulate. He wrote it in 63, between 63 and 65 A.D. Now, Peter was one of the original uh, apostles of Jesus Christ. Peter was called, he was a fisherman. Remember, I had a brother. He left the family business. He was a fisherman. And sometimes I think the apostles, fishermen, they kind of get a bad rap. Like they're, you know, uneducated. Like they don't really know. They're just some teenage boys and Jesus called them. Hey, listen, Peter grew up in the wisdom and the, and the, and the stature and he understood the relationship of, of revelation of Jesus Christ as he, as he grew to become a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. He writes this letter later in his life. And I just want you to wrap your mind around some of the content that is embedded in this epistle. Uh, Peter talks about Things like divine election. He talks about God's foreknowledge. He talks about sanctification. And these three things are found in only the second verse of his letter. This guy's a smart guy. Just because you don't go to college or seminary doesn't mean you can't understand the revelation of who Jesus Christ is and how he impacts your life. This Jesus that we serve is accessible, and he, through his Holy Spirit, wants to educate and train us so that we can follow him, and that's exactly what Peter did. Now, I need you to understand the context, the setting in which Peter wrote this letter. He wrote it to Jewish Christians who were trying to follow Jesus Christ. And in that time, Rome was the superpower of the day, had full control over the known lands. And at that time, the emperor's name was Nero. Now, Nero was a very twisted individual. Nero was a sick man. In fact, historians uh, tell us that Nero, listen, Nero murdered his wife, uh, he killed his mother, and a lot of people believe that he killed his second wife, right? So ladies, don't get near Nero, okay? No good. Now, now on top of this, Nero, he had a psychotic break. See, in July of 64 AD, what Nero did as the emperor, he set fire to the city of Rome. I just saw a grandparent go like this to their grandkid. Nero was this. Everybody go like this. Nero, yep, he was a whack job. So in July of 64, listen to what Nero did. He set fire. He set fire to the city of Rome. He burned two-thirds of the city to the ground. Can you imagine if somebody went downtown Appleton, burned two-thirds of the city? This is what Nero did. And actually, historians record that he was on top of his palace in Palatine Hill playing a lyre, and he was singing. He lost it. Now you would say, why would the emperor do this? You know why? Because Nero had an insatiable lust To build. He loved building projects. And when the Roman Senate said, no, Nero, you can't build anymore. We're tired of buildings. Nero said, fine, I'm going to burn it down. Well, when the people of Rome, when they caught wind of the fact that actually Nero was behind the great fire of the city of Rome, here's what Nero did. He began to blame a tiny sectarian group of Christ ones known as Christians. Christians who were foreigners or exiles, they were not Romans and so they were in Rome and here's what Nero did. As a source of entertainment, Nero, he actually took the animal skins of dead animals and he put them on Christians, he threw them into cages and he released wild animals to shred their body apart while he sipped wine with his friends. Other forms of persecution and torture that these Christians, whom Peter wrote to, you got to remember, friends, these were real people, real families, real families. They actually were dipped, Christians during this time period were dipped into hot wax and what Nero did, he would set these elaborate parties outside and he would take Christians and he would tie them to trees and he would light the Christians on fire serving as almost tiki torches for the entertainment that would take place. He was a very sick individual. And so Peter, he writes to this group of Christians, and here's what he says in verse one. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, Key word, exiles, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These are the five major provinces under the Roman rule of that day. These Jews are called exiles. If you look in other translations of your Bible, the term would be foreigners or strangers or aliens. He was saying to the listeners of that day, not only are you displaced from your homeland and you're scattered abroad, throughout Roman rule, but here's what Peter wanted to remind them. He was saying, brothers and sisters, you were also exiles and you are strangers to this world. This world is not your home. What Peter is saying to the listeners of that day, I want you to realize that you can be encouraged to endure because you are a spiritual being awaiting a heavenly destination. This world is not your own. I'm writing this to you to encourage you. As we sang earlier in the service, we sang that song, Living Hope. Peter opens his letter by talking about Jesus Christ as the living hope. A living hope because God vindicated Jesus after being on the cross three days in the tomb, comes back to life, and he says to all of us that we can have a living hope over death and sin and the grave, and our living hope is a lasting hope. So you can endure the trials. This is a message of encouragement. This is a message from Peter's heart as a pastor to a group of people who were being dipped in hot wax and thrown into cages. Their trials were very real, just like your trials, just like my trials. Health trials, financial trials, trials of tense relationships, Trials in a in, a, in a state of our world today, whether it's a pandemic or plandemic or COVID or whatever it is, these are trials that we are facing. And Peter is writing a persecuted group of people. And he said, I just want you to know that your identity is different. You are strangers. You are just passing through. Brothers and sisters today, I just want to remind you, we are just passing through. Life is but just a break. It's a mist here today, gone tomorrow. And the only life that we had to lead is a life that is lived for the living hope Himself, Jesus Christ. And so He says, In all this, question. As the first century listeners stood in all this, What are you standing in today? What is your trial today in all this? What does that look like for you? What are the things that you need God's help to endure because there is a trial that is beyond your own strength And right now, it is increasingly difficult for you to remain faithful to God, to guard your mind, to watch your mouth, to see your attitudes in action. It is an increasingly difficult culture. Listen, the sisters, the brothers and sisters that that Peter wrote to were living in conflict with the culture. We, as Jesus followers, are living in conflict with our culture. Do you know why? Because Peter calls us to be different. To have a different belief system, different values, to parent differently, to have a different set of standards, to live with integrity, to be different, to be different. And here's what we're going to learn today in God's Word. We're going to learn... How these trials, what takes place in these trials? What, what, what is God doing with us? And how can we respond? How can we have a, here's the title of my message, a different response in trials? This is key, a different response in trials. Because you follow Jesus, we, because I follow Jesus, we should have a different response in trials. Now, here's the first thing that you have to understand. Here's what Peter says about trials. He says, these have come, trials have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, there's a genuineness to our faith. Therefore, that assumes that there is also a brand of faith that can be inauthentic. It can be a fake faith. As a pastor, I see fake faith. You know what fake faith is? Fake faith is faith that perhaps, well, that was my mom and dad's faith, and so I believe it because they believe it, but I really, it's just kind of a, it's a fake faith. It's a undeveloped, it's an inauthentic, it's not congruent with your own beliefs. You haven't grabbed on of who Jesus is, and you know what? That's kind of a maturing process where it has to become your own faith. A fake faith is a faith that is, that is conditional. If the circumstances and situations of my life are okay, then I'm all in with God. But the moment things go south, man, God, who are you and where are you? This is not fair and you're out. A fake faith is a faith that, that perhaps is a lip service kind of faith. Yeah, I serve Jesus. Yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know I come. You know, I come a couple times. It's, it's more of a casual. It's an apathetic kind of faith. It's a... It's not a genuine faith. Now, the genuineness of our faith is proven. This is what Peter says. These, these trials have come so that the proven, the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even through refined, even though refined by fire. What Peter is saying is that. Trials prove your faith. They show your faith. In other words, trials reveal the depth of your faith. Trials reveal the faith that's already there. It's post-trial that it can deepen and use and refine your faith. But in the moment of the trial... In the moment of the trial, listen to me, what faith does or what trials do is to reveal the depth of the existing faith that you have in Jesus Christ, the depth of it, the trust of it. Is there, is there some kind of, of, of gritty, tenacious kind of, this is faith that is going to see me through? Now, You say, well, Adam, this sounds all well and cute up to this point. In fact, some of you have heard this message before. But here's perhaps what you have not heard before. You haven't seen the historical thread by which the the personal nature of the gospel spills through the pages of Scripture. See, Peter didn't write this because he knew he was going to be writing to a 21st century audience like you and me. He was writing it 25 years later after his own personal trial. See, Peter didn't write from a, a, a head knowledge. He wrote from an experiential knowledge of trials. 25 years earlier, Peter was the obnoxious, the loud, the rude, the impetuous kind of fisherman disciple following Jesus Christ. He was the one who would over-promise and under-deliver when it comes to faith. Oh, Jesus, that's you on the water? I'm jumping out. And then he sinks. Jesus, they're not taking you. Where's my sword? I'm cutting off his ear. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, in Luke chapter 22, Peter faces his greatest trial. It's a trial of failure. Ever been there before? You ever failed Jesus Christ? I have, many times. And here's what takes place in Luke chapter 22. Jesus says to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. He wants to sift you. But listen to what Jesus says. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You know what Jesus is saying right there? When you have turned back, he's alluding to the fact, he's predicting that that Simon Peter is going to betray Jesus. That he's going to betray the Messiah. You know the story, right? Uh, because uh, maybe you don't. If you don't, Peter denies Jesus after spending three years with him around the fire. He denies him on that night on three different occasions to a little servant girl who says, hey, aren't you with that Messiah? Aren't you with Jesus? Like, no, no, no. If you're a kid, think like Evie of the evil queen of the show The Descendants, right? Kind of this character, this little girl But here's what Peter experienced in his trial of failure. And I want you to hear this wherever you are and whoever you are, that there is a loving Savior named Jesus who is full of grace and he offers us second chances to continue to develop and to grow our faith so that we can strengthen others around us that God is pursuing and chasing you even when you fail Him. And this is exactly what Peter experienced. Because after the resurrection, the stone was rolled away. Jesus met Peter on a beach. He gave him a brand new assignment. He said, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. And just months later, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2, and he declares with conviction and boldness the good news of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people come to faith and the church is launched the church is not an institution it's a movement of people who come into contact with the living hope the resurrected savior jesus christ and you know what peter learned he learned that the more your faith is tested the more your faith can be trusted let me ask you a question who is on the other side of your trial Who is on the other side of what you're going through right now that if you endure and if you have a different kind of response, who can hear of the wisdom and the strength and the truth and the greatness of our God if you endure and if you have a different kind of response? Who is that person? Maybe it's the next generation. Maybe right now you're a parent and you're gone through it and you can realize, man, if I can endure this, my son or daughter, they're going to see God in me. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe, I don't know who it is, but someone is watching how you respond in the midst of pressure and a trial. And the moment you call yourself a Christian, all eyes are on you. All right, now, while all eyes are on you, in fact, just type that in right now in the chat. Hey, all eyes are on me. Just use that little emoji with the eyeballs, like looking this way, like, mm, all, all eyes are on you. We're looking at you, right? You're in a trial, okay? But just, just, here, listen. Here's what you need to know when you're in a trial. You're going into one, you're coming out of one, you're, you're in one right now, here's what you need to know. Trials can have two effects, they can either push you away from God or they can draw you close to God. When I think about drawing you close to God, I almost think about the the term like where Peter casts his nets down and he would draw the fish out. Trials have a way of drawing you close to God. It's like God wants to pull you close to himself. He's going to use the nets of trial to bring you close or you can resist and you can just You can swim away from God. I've seen it so many times where people, all of a sudden, they experience something in life. They get angry at God. You've seen it. You know it. They get angry. They get resentful, bitter. God, I can't believe. Why would you? And then they walk and drift away from God. They blame God. But when you draw close to God, here's what Peter says. He says that there is a different kind of response that can happen. Though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him right now, you believe in him and you are filled. Listen to the language of the verse. You are filled with inexpressible and glorious. Here's the different response that we can have. Here's the point of the message. That as Christians, we can be different because we can have a different response when we draw close to God. Yes! We can. A different response. Do you know what that response is? You do? Do you want to come preach with me? It's joy. It's joy. For you are receiving the end. Listen, the different response is joy. Because you are receiving the end result of your faith. The salvation of your souls. A different response for believers is joy. Now, I want to be, uh, as I was preparing and finalizing this message, I had to look over the course of my life and I thought to myself, how many times have I had this inexpressible and glorious response of joy in trial? Not too many times. You know, Jesus' brother James says, uh, consider it, remember James 1, 2, consider it pure joy. When when you go through all kinds, consider it. Peter builds on that and he says, you can have this inexpressible and glorious response. And one of the things that I get really nervous about being a preacher is, uh, is putting things out there and making them appear to be very easy. This is not easy, friends. Um, This is the divine thing, to have joy in the midst of trial. This is supernatural. This is miraculous. This is when we, if we want to be a different kind of people, we have to discipline our hearts and our minds to be focused on Jesus. For the joy that was set before him endured his trial the cross see i don't think that i don't think that jesus hung on the cross and he thought oh this is joyous oh yeah baby pound the nails he didn't look down at his mom and say oh mom you got vinegar no give me a coke this is so no 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 he said i am thirsty this is hard but the writer of hebrews says in chapter 12 verse 2 for the joy set before him he endured the cross Do you know what that tells me? It tells me that as Hebrews 4.15 says, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses in trial. We have a priest who understands. Jesus hung on the cross so that you could stand in your trial today. That you can endure, that you can be tough-minded. And so today what we want to do is we want to go ahead and we want to tap in to this divine supernatural power of focusing on Jesus for the express purpose to have joy in our hearts as we go through a trial. Understand this inexpressible and glorious response. If you're online with us today, how about you if you haven't had a moment or you came in late to worship with us, how about you find some elements because we're gonna gather around the Lord's table and participate in communion. Communion here at Pathways Church is open. You do not have to be a member or partner of Pathways. You just need to be a kingdom kid, a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. If you place your faith in Jesus, you are welcome to participate with us. If you're here today in, in person and you did not receive the elements when you walked in, maybe you forgot or just there are tables in the back, please, you are free right now in this moment to go ahead and grab the elements. And I thought this was just, we as a team when we were putting this service together weeks ago felt like this was a perfect close for this service. And I wanna give you some time to process something. We live in such a chaotic world and time right now. And I wanna build, we wanted to build some space in the service where you have about 30 to 45 seconds for just silence and peace connect with God. For some of you, you're going to relish this next moment. For some of you, this is going to be really hard to pause and just to take this in, but I want to encourage you, this is a part of your growth. You you need to turn on your spiritual ears and listen to what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is here, the Holy Spirit is online. He's in your room right now. He wants to talk to you. And I want you to ask this question. Jesus, as I'm in my trial, coming out of one, going into one, would you help me to access and to experience the joy that your close follower, Peter, wrote about? I want to experience this joy. Maybe you're at a place today you're like, you know, Adam, right now, I'm in a season of just pure gratitude and everything is is going really well. You know what? Praise God for that. Enjoy that. Maybe you can take these 35 or 30 or 45 seconds and just say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. And then we're going to sing a song, Living Hope. His great mercy, the cross has the final words. In fact, if you wanna do this with me, you wanna get the elements online, hold them in your hands if you're in person. This is the first time we've ever taken communion and self-contained little things like this, right? Uh, Usually we pass the tray, but being touchless services. And I was, um, I wanna give you a quick instructions on this. There's two tabs on this, okay? The top tab, if you want to pull that off, there's the wafer right there. Take the wafer and just hold it in your hand. Don't eat it right now. I just want you to hold the elements. And I want you to take the next 30, 45 seconds. I want you to reflect. I to ask that it be very silent, quiet. Listen to the Holy Spirit.